Okay, division in a church is a bad thing, but I'm going to see how divisive I could be. As you turn to Romans chapter 3, I want you to consider, what is the most important ingredient in pizza? You know, that one thing that without it, it is not pizza. Okay, I'm going to give you some options, and, and, and the problem is the toppings don't count because everybody likes different toppings, but, but, crust, right? What is pizza without crust? It, 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 yeah, it's a pile of goo, or it's a salad, or it might be, it might be uh, the beginning of nachos, something, you, yeah, uh, but it's not really pizza. So what about tomato sauce? If there's no tomato sauce, can it be a pizza? It's, at that point, it's, it is nachos. It's toppings on a shelf, uh, something like that. Cheese. <laughs> See, if there's no cheese, once again, it's, it's nachos. It's like, I don't have anything against nachos. I like nachos, but, but it's, it's, oh, you're right. Yeah. It, um, so, so it's like, it's like, so you go, what is the most, and, and so were we to take a vote on the one single thing, now that I've optioned, because I heard someone say pepperoni, I'm going, pepperoni and, <laughs> right, who, who here, by the way, who's, who's, who are the supreme or the all toppings kind of combination people? Yes, the way God intended. So, <laughs> okay, so what is the one most important thing in Christianity? <laughs> Cheese. <laughs> uh, if 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 we were talking, of course, the number one answer, the correct answer is Jesus, right? It's it's like duh, it's like Jesus. But so let, we're not going to count that answer. <laughs> After Jesus, what is the one most important thing? And and there may not be an exact consensus on that. For instance, the Apostle John would say love. John, John is the one who said, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the savior of the world. John is the one who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John is the one who said, I can just go, he, lots of love things. John was all over love. But Paul is about righteousness. And, and that's really evident. Our scripture reading today uh, is Romans 1, 16 and 17 where he says, uh, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. And you see him talking about righteousness. And as we open to our passage today, starting at verse 21, uh, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. If we were to skip, we're not going as far as verse 25, because this is just way too packed, but if we went to verse 25, uh, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, this was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins, previously committed. And Paul is talking about 
righteousness. And because we're reading a book written by Paul today, we're going to really focus on righteousness and the importance of righteousness. Unless we are righteous, we cannot... John would say it is God's love that caused him to send Jesus to be our Savior. It is Jesus' love that moved him to the cross. And John would say love. And Paul says the cross showed God's righteousness. It allowed us to be made righteous with him. Uh, And unless we are righteous, we cannot go to heaven. And we can only be righteous as God makes us righteous. So today we're going to see some of this reasoning on display as God's righteousness is manifested to us and then that this righteousness is acquired by faith and finally that it is given as a gift. Uh, before all this, we're going to have a vocabulary drill. <laughs> I, I mean, let's, let's look at this. There, there are words in this that we don't use in our normal day-to-day language. But now, apart from the law, and of course, I'm reading the New American Standard, so not all the words will be exactly the same. Uh, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, For all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So we have some words there. I, I wrote down law. Righteousness, manifest, faith, justified, grace, and redemption, (laughs) right? All words that are significant that we need to to have a handle on before we do anything with this passage. And so the law, you say, well, you know, we go to church, we have uh, comfortable with the law. I'm going to say the law is God's written standard of righteousness. It It is declared, it is revealed, it is his standard of righteousness. The law is perfect and we are not and we need to recognize and start with, and of course, if you've been sitting here for the last several weeks, you, you should have a pretty good handle on this. The law does not declare us innocent. It shows us to be guilty. Uh, that, that's what the law accomplishes for us. On the other hand, righteousness is perfect rightness in word and deed and in light of the law. Perfect rightness in light of the law, that is righteousness. Manifest. Uh, revealed, made plain, something that may have been doubted but is now proven. It, it, it's like uh, you say, well, you know, I I, uh, I was able to buy that and I got a great deal and I spent this much and it sounds like you're bragging. Someone says, well, I know you did not get it for that little bit about. Sure, here's the receipt. Let me show you. And it is now manifest. It is made plain. What was said and may have been doubted before is now revealed and made clean. Faith. You know, if we could just settle on a definition of faith, a lot of things would be simplified. Uh, because people walk around with the, uh, the thought that faith is uh, acknowledging something to be true. Uh, I have faith that my car will start because it hasn't failed me so far. <laughs> uh, okay, believing without seeing. Uh, but I want to say faith is not just belief, but trust. And until you add trust to that word believe, it isn't truly faith or it isn't truly belief. It it has to have trust with it. Life-changing conviction. That's what faith is. It's not, if you have faith that does not change your life, it is not faith. It is a mental acknowledgement. It's not the same thing. Grace. I like to go to the, the simple definitions. The, the, there's the, the, the turns it into an acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Uh, did I just bother you? <laughs> um, God giving us what we don't deserve. We do not deserve any good things from God, 
but God gives them to us anyway. That is grace. We certainly do not deserve Christ, but God gives us his grace and gives us Christ. Redemption, having been purchased. Now, actually, I, I decided I have to go this a little deeper with this one. And this is, this is kind of fun. The Greek word is apolutroseos, apolutroseos. And, and, and uh, the point I'm, uh, the reason I, I like to point that out, that's a complicated word. Apolutroseos, <laughs> right? Even in Greek, it's complicated. Six syllables, it's a, it's a big, complicated word. And it's, it's made from a couple of words, and it means freeing captives by payment of a ransom. You go, wow, that's, that's, I mean, that's the word that's translated redemption. Freeing captives by payment of a ransom. That's, that's, you go, wow, that is, that is a, a doozy of a word. Uh, and, and it certainly gives a lot of understanding to what it means to be redeemed because it has us starting as captives. It has us being freed, but in order for us to be freed, a price had to be paid, and that price was a ransom. Uh, okay, and we'll come back to all these as we walk through the passage, but that, that's like laying the groundwork. I didn't want to stop and define a word every five minutes, so I thought I'm just going to get this out of the way at the start, and we'll come back to it. Okay, so verse 21, God's righteousness is manifested. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. God's righteousness is revealed and made plain. And it's fascinating to me that he's emphasizing God's righteousness. It is, it is, it is, he's not saying salvation is revealed or made plain. It's not, he's saying God's righteousness. Mostly as we've gone through Romans so far, we haven't been concerned with God's righteousness. We've been concerned with our own. And what we found out is we ain't got it, right? Proper English, I think. <laughs> no, we, we don't, what we found is that if you're a pagan out there, you don't have right, you're not righteous enough. If you're a churchgoer, you're not righteousness enough. If you are a saved Christian, in your own righteousness, you are not righteous enough. We, we, we simply are not there. God's righteousness is the one we now get to look at. Our righteousness has been proven to fail, but now we're looking at God's righteousness, and God's righteousness is made plain. Uh, God's righteousness is given. It, it, it is not given. It is a given. It is, you just can take it for granted. God is righteous, but ours is in doubt, right? What is important for us is that God can declare us righteous and still be righteous himself. And that is where you start running into to, to the moral problems and where people, people do challenge that. How can one man's death pay the price of another man's salvation? How can that work? Uh, how can it does? And they, they challenge the logic of it. They challenge the working of it. And what they're doing is they're challenging God's righteousness even in saying that it's so. Uh, because otherwise, if God cannot be righteous as he declares us, us righteous, then he's just up in heaven making it up as he goes. He's just, he's just bending the rules to, to, to twist it to make himself happy based on what he feels about it at any given moment. And so he's looking around and he's saying, you know, I'm going to judge Mike based on his sins, but Robert, I'm going to forgive him because I feel like it, which, which God could do, but he's, not, he's just making up rules willy-nilly. He's, he's, not, he's not holding any similar straight standard. And you and I can function like that and probably do sometimes, whether we want to admit it or not. But I hope God does not, because if he does, if God doesn't function according to a, a true consistent standard, then God is 
is his righteousness is I don't know how you can say it's 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 better than ours, but but it, it's it's we have no confidence. We it's all lost. Uh, but now it's made clear that God can be righteous and declare us righteous. He can do both those things. And it's apart from the law, which, which you need to understand that phrase, apart from the law. It's not entirely apart from the law. Jesus had to fulfill the law, but it's apart from our keeping of the law. I am not declared righteous based on my keeping the law. Doesn't mean you want to go out and just be lawless. <laughs> Say, I'm declared righteous whether I keep the law or not, so I'm just going to do whatever I want uh, because you, God is not mocked and he is not pleased by that. But, but it's not my righteousness where my hope is found. It is his righteousness. So when it says apart from the law, it's not saying we, we just toss out the law. It says we are not saved by our keeping of the law. Uh, Jesus is... Uh, you know, Jesus said he did not come to abolish the prophets, but to fulfill them. Uh, so, so we are not declared righteous by our keeping the law, his. Uh, for us, it is apart from the law, but he had to fulfill the law in order for it to happen. And, and, it, and it shouldn't be unexpected because he says, he, again, he says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And my mind started wandering through the Old Testament because there are just so many passages in the Old Testament that, that proclaim this in advance. And I thought about Job where he says, for my Redeemer lives. And I love the passage in Job because it, it's, it's historically set before you know, Moses. <laughs> it's historically set before Abraham. Uh, and, and he said at that time, before there's any scripture written, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I thought about, I thought about Isaiah talking about the suffering servant. I, 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 my mind just went to all these places and I thought, how do I pick? How do I not spend all day on this? How do I pick just a few? And I thought, well, wait a minute. Paul's already done that for us. I'm going to cheat and skip ahead of, beyond this passage to chapter four. And if we look at chapter four, we find two key characters, David and Abraham. He does Abraham first, uh, and we have uh, Abraham, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 of Romans. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham, in Genesis, the first book of the law, right? It, it, early in the book of the law, I think that's chapter, uh, chapter is that? I didn't, didn't write it down. Uh, it, I think it's chapter 12 or 13 of, of the 50 books of, or chapters of Genesis where, where J. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And, and write it early, early in the law, early in the law, before God has, has created a people out of Abraham, it's, we find it is by faith that he is righteous and not by the law. So we're not declared righteous by keeping the law. He believed God, and his faith was credited as righteousness. And, and then we move on to David, chapter 4, still, verses 6 through 8. Uh, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the man whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the one who, whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And you look back at David's life, you go, yeah, man, you are lucky God has not taken your sins into account. You are lucky God is not uh, uh, counting those things against you, but he has forgiven you. And David says, yes, 
Yes. And by the way, if you're willing to throw stones at David, you better just pick up a shield <laughs> to protect yourself because they're going to be coming back. We are all so fortunate that we are, are having our sins not credited against us. And David's, David's in the middle. David is, by the way, prophets. David is the prophet king. We have the law and the prophets. What do we find in the law and the prophets? We find it is in forgiveness. It is in, in God's righteousness. It is in God taking care of us. It is in, in faith. And we find the law and the prophets testify uh, to, to God's righteousness being our what, what we need, not our own righteousness. If their own righteousness could do it, they wouldn't have had to, to, to say those things. We wouldn't need those things written. But they're written for our benefit so that we can see and we can know. And what we find is salvation has always been in, by faith in God. We have the privilege to look back and see how that is accomplished through Jesus Christ. They didn't have it. What's the difference? It was not manifest at their time. But we live in the time when it is manifest. It is made plain. We get to see it. And, and then we read that it's made manifest and we go, I don't get it because it's so much, it's, we're the fish swimming in the water who don't realize they're wet. We're just, we're just surrounded by this. And, and it is, it is God's righteousness for salvation is made manifest in Jesus Christ. And this is acquired. This righteousness comes through faith. Uh, faith, uh, verses 22 and 23. So uh, we just did 21. 22 and 23, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, it's funny because, you know, as a for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is one of the first verses kids learn. And if you haven't as an adult, you don't, you can't just whip off that verse, then learn it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I need Two toes, you know, to do that one. Uh, for all this, it's, it's short, it's easy, it's, it's, a, it's powerful, but it's also it's just a summary, <laughs> right? It, 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 is a, it, is, it is restating or it is using what was stated, what we proved so well uh, earlier in the chapter about all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's, it's a summary statement. It's, it's, it's part of what just fits in there. Uh, and we find faith is the means by which we acquire the righteousness of Christ. And that's where I want to say not just belief, not just a head, yeah, I believe there was a Jesus, I believe he did these things, I have this theological conviction, but by trust, that, that you trust him. It's not a mental statement, but a life-changing move from trusting ourselves and our own goodness to trusting his. And, and, and I like to phrase it that way because all of a sudden we realize why believing in Jesus is so hard. You have to go because, because we always, I mean, we, I'm not, it is important that we try to be good, right? Please, please, please don't ever say, well, Pastor T said, I don't have to be good. <laughs> because I will say, you don't have to, but you really should, right? And if you're not, I am going to be in serious doubt about you. <laughs> not that my God, God doesn't pull me for opinions, but, but, uh, um, it's, because we need to be good, we're, we grow up thinking about my goodness is important, and I believe it is. But my goodness does not save me, but moving away from trusting my own goodness. My own goodness is the one that says, well, I think I'm good enough. Well, I'm better than, oh, who should I pick on? No, <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, no, I'm not going to pick on anybody with that one. <laughs> It's like sometimes I just can't go there. Uh, but, but you go, I'm better than that guy. That guy, people say, and you know, it's especially 
you go to a funeral and you hear the pastor put somebody into heaven. That somebody go, you sit back and go, whoa, he's in heaven? Must be true, pastor said it. I knew that guy. I didn't think he was going there. <laughs> You're probably right. Pastor's probably wrong. Pastors have a tremendous amount of pressure to put people into heaven, just in case you don't, don't know that. When someone dies, you hate to say, don't think he made it. Uh, right? Uh, so, um, but you're sitting there and you listen and you hear, hear them say, well, he's in heaven. You go, whoa, if he's in heaven, then I don't have anything to worry about. Right? So, so, so I made it. And they, what are you doing? You're looking at your own works. You're looking at your own righteousness, your own goodness, and thinking somehow that's going to be good enough. And to trust in Christ's righteousness, you have to set that aside. And you have got a lifetime of investment in believing you're good enough. And, and, and you have to set that aside and say, I'm not trusting myself anymore. I'm trusting Jesus now. And that is hard to do. It, 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 it makes sense all of a sudden because you go, why is it hard? Why would this be hard? You're, you're not actually doing anything. You're just trusting him. But it's, it is a life-changing kind of trust. It, it, it affects you. It makes a difference. Uh, and as we trust him, he proves himself trustworthy. He does not fail us. God is good, even in the midst of hardship. He proves himself trustworthy. And when it comes time, so when it comes time to judge our sinful actions, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may be, uh, ah, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, give an account of himself. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ or we'll appear before the great white throne. of The great white throne in, in Revelation 20 or 19 is, is much more scary. Everybody will be judged according to books and by what is written in the book. And if anyone's name is not found in the Lamb's book of life, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. And you go, whoa. Uh, it's, not, it's not what's written in my book that makes any difference. It's what's written in his book. That's what makes a difference. It's not my righteousness, it's his. But because we trust in him, he proves himself trustworthy. And on that day when you stand before God himself on the great white throne of judgment, and he finds, he, you, he will find your name in there. People, people have said things like, oh, how can you know you're saved? How can you have confidence in that? The answer is, I do. How? Because he did it. Right? It's, it's like, there, there is no reason. How do you know you really get to heaven? Because my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, and and, and you, I, I, have, I hope you have that confidence. If you don't, I want to tell you, you can and you should. He is trustworthy. As we trust in him, he proves himself trustworthy. And we are declared righteous through faith. As we place our faith in him, we are declared righteous because his righteousness is written down for us. We are declared righteous for, through faith. And I want to say one size fits all because he says, for all who believe. There is no one who can go to God in faith and have God say, no, not you. Right? He's not going to look at anyone and say, you know, that, that, was, no, that was actually only for the church people. <laughs> no, no, that's actually only for... Uh, Jews? No, no, that's actually only for Gentiles. No, no, that's actually only for uh, 
Anglo-Saxon, <laughs> you know, people do all sorts of bizarre things with who it's for and who it's not for. Now, there, there is no one who can go and, and have God say, no, no, that's not for you. And there's no one who God will say, no, no, you need to find a different way because there is no other way. No one is so bad. No one is so good. No one is so unique that they have any other way. Is this, is, this is the way for all who believe. And I keep going back. Uh, I remember, I've told you this before, I know, but back in Bible college, Pastor Bob stands up in front of class and he asks the question, how does a Catholic get saved? And I start, because, you know, I've got my Catholic roots, and I start going, oh, man, you need to do this, you need to do that, oh, you've got to get over this. And, and, and we're all sitting there, and, and, and we're walking through our, our theology and all our things we've been learning, and he says, the same way as anybody else. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, but, but wait a minute. Why am I learning all this stuff? <laughs> and and the answer, so it's not like anything we were learning was wrong, but we had to get beyond that or, or back to the, the first starts. Those, the, 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 the simple things are never taken away as you learn more stuff. The, you know, we, why do we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know? Was anybody offended that we had to sing that? Man, we have to sing that. Uh, I, many theologians have said, what's, what's the greatest theological thing you've ever heard? And they answer, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Uh, it's, it's, it, we need to hang on to those things. No one is so bad or so good or so unique that faith will not work for them because there's no distinction. There's no distinction. And specifically, this is a reference, specifically in the book of Romans, as he's been talking about Jews and as he's been talking about Gentiles, this is specifically a reference to Jews or Gentiles. And he says, there is no distinction. Specifically, that's the distinction. But Jews are not saved one way and Gentiles saved another way. Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And sometimes people get mistaken and they say, well, no, Jesus is for Christians and Jews have some other way to be saved. And the answer is no. No, everybody's saved the same way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the, by the way, it goes far beyond that distinction. And you can't be a Muslim and, and believe in, in Allah and try to do those things, and Muhammad is the prophet, and be a Christian. You have to give that up to be a Christian. The, the difference between Judaism is you don't have to give up Judaism because they're, they, are, they are not inconsistent or incompatible. All other faiths are incompatible. There's only one way. And you can't say, well, there's a different way for Hindus, or there's a different way for Muslims, or there's a different way for Buddhists. There is no different way. It's all through faith in Christ. But, but what is the great uniting thing among us all, that there's only one way to salvation, is that there's one way to hell, and it's sin. And because there's one way to condemnation, there's one way to salvation. That's, I mean, when you think about it, that's really convenient. It's really convenient that we're all condemned as sinners because that way there can be one way to be saved. There is one Savior. We all need a Savior and we all need the same Savior because we are all condemned by the same thing. We've all sinned and fall short. And like I said, it's a summary statement. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then I started thinking, you know, I have always thought of this verse, always. I mean, until, until this week, uh, Thursday morning, sitting in my office, I've always thought of that as saying the standard of God. I've never slipped and almost said the word standard instead of glory, but in my mind, the word glory has always been the standard of God and not the glory of God. 
And I sat there and I thought, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I don't know what to do. We fall short of the glory. Of course we fall short of the glory of God. But do you realize what he's saying by that? Is through faith in Christ, we arise to the glory of God? I mean, unless I misunderstand, I'm going to say English, because <laughs> that's, that's what I'm reading it in. That's, that's what he's saying. We, we, he brings us up to, he doesn't bring us up merely to the standard of God as if we're just reaching a level, but he brings us up to the glory of God, which is so far beyond any level, which doesn't mean we will, are, are as glorious as God. <laughs> we will, he will, you know, we, we just can't go there. I'm not sure what it means. I mean, in all honesty, I don't know what it means. I mean, we won't be as glorious as God. I don't know what it does mean. I can, I can say it doesn't mean that, but I know it means way more than merely meeting a standard. He, he's not just making us okay. He's not just making us barely adequate. He's making us glorious. It's like, wow, through faith. And, and verse 24, this is all a gift. It's all a gift. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. What do you have to do to be declared righteous? Slay dragons, swim oceans, climb mountains, cross deserts. It's a gift. We, we, we don't do anything. By his grace, not merely, you know, and I said, I like, I like the, even though it offends, offends Jeff, God's riches at Christ's expense, or God giving us what we don't deserve. But you know what? It, you know what it needs to be added to that? His desire to give us this. God's grace is not just what he does, but his desire to do it. His want to, to bless us, to give us eternal life, to give us eternal salvation. This is, this is not a sterile business transaction. This is, this is happy birthday. Here's a gift that, that, yeah, mom told me I had to get you something here. <laughs> Been there, done that, right? Or, or you give somebody something and you can't wait to see their face. I got to bring something out. Sorry. Didn't plan this. My spittoon. <laughs> I have, I, just so you know, I've never spit in my spittoon. Uh, Jeremy is gone at a wedding, so he's not here. But, but uh, you know, at the, at the, when, we, when we were doing the rendezvous, I was in charge of the spit, pit spitting contest. And I would, I would draw a circle on the ground with a spray thing and, and, and uh, uh, commented something about, it'd be cool to have a spittoon. Well, we have an elder's Christmas party every year. And, and Jeremy brought this in. And he said he couldn't wait to see my face when I opened it. And, and I, I did, I opened it. He says, I looked like a child at Christmas. <laughs> this was like, this was the most awesome gift in the world. <laughs> you know what it's like to give a gift where you can't wait to see somebody get it? Ah. Uh, and I still, it's like, 
this is such a cool, and, and people, and, and you know, the problem is I'll forget and leave it there. And people will walk in, and what's the first thing they say? What kind of a redneck church is this? <laughs> and everybody who knows, knows, but everybody who doesn't, doesn't. God, grace includes God's want to, to give us the gift. His desire to give us something that we want and that we need. God, grace, grace includes that. That, that. That's part of grace. It is not by works. We don't deserve it, and we can't deserve it. And at what point is it insulting to the person who gave you a gift to say, no, no, let me pay for it? Yeah. No, no, you, 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 that's too much. I can't take it. Let me give you something for it. At, at some point, that's insulting to the giver. At some point, it says, no, no, I don't want your gift. Uh, I don't want to receive that from you. Salvation, by the way, is a really, really big gift. But you know what? Jesus has already paid for that gift, and he's not taking the payment back. And so by saying no, you're just saying, thanks, appreciate the price you paid, but I don't want it. It's insulting to the giver to say, no, no, I have to. Don't, don't ever be deceived into thinking you're earning salvation. You're not. You cannot. In your wildest dreams, you, well, maybe in your wildest dreams, but that just means you have faulty dreams, right? Uh, your, your dreams are at fault at that point. When we place our faith in Christ, we receive the gift of salvation God wants to give us. He wants to give us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And once again, apalutroseos. <laughs> I write these things out in Greek because I know that if I read them and wrote them in English, I wouldn't pronounce them even as well as I do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, freeing captives by payment of a ransom. By payment of a ransom. And Jesus paid the price to set us free. God's grace says he want, said he wanted badly to declare us righteous. So much. God's justice said the price of sin must be satisfied. Grace and justice. God's love said he would pay the price. Which one of those is most important? It's like, doesn't matter. They're all there. They're all necessary. Uh, God declares us righteous. We receive the gift of salvation as a gift. Okay, you need it. You wanted to earn it, but you couldn't. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He offers it as a gift. Are you really going to tell him no? Let me rephrase that. Are you really going to continue telling him no? Accept the gift of eternal life that God so badly wants to give you. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Father God, I ask for every heart in here to be recipients of this gift. I ask that if there is anybody in here who has not yet trusted you as Savior, that you will move them to do that to accept the gift that you have offered and given so freely and that you want so badly for us to accept. I thank you for your generosity, for your love. I thank you for caring so much. In Jesus' name.